Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight we have a special conversation with Commander Rob Green. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher. Soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, Patriots. And tonight, we have a very special guest, which is Commander Rob Green, who's been instrumental in helping put together the letter called the Declaration of Military Accountability. And with that, it's going to give us a firsthand account of about this letter, the impact, and a lot of things we don't normally uh, get a chance to hear about. And as you know, I discussed this letter this morning. It's significant in its, its magnitude and scope of what it's doing. I'm very honored to have been included in this letter. And so with really much other ado, let's move right into this interview tonight. I want to keep things focused and time is of the importance on all of this. So, um, Commander Green, are you there? I am here. I'm honored to be with you. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you here this evening. Um, let's start with a little bit about this letter and let's talk about the kind of the premise of it and and kind of move forward with the with how this developed. Yeah, so your audience is going to be familiar with the letter because you talked about it this morning. You read it to to your audience, so uh, we don't need to to rehash exactly what the details say. Um, all of it, um, but there is some parts of it that are important to note right up front. This letter is not to our leaders. It's not addressed to anybody in the government in leadership. It's addressed to the people. It's addressed to all Americans. And what we're doing is we're declaring, we're telling all the all Americans that we are going to do everything in our power. We're making a pledge that we are going to hold our senior leaders accountable. Why are we doing that? Well, for three years, we have appealed, discussed, talked, requested, We've done everything we can to all three branches of, of the federal government to try to make sure that the law is followed in the implementation of the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. We went to our leadership first. We started with emails, memos, basic information. Hey, we think you're breaking the law. Hey, this isn't right. This is violating constitutional rights. We got nothing from them. We then went to Congress. We sent tons of data to Congress, to individual congressmen. We wrote whistleblower reports that we gave to everyone that would listen to us. And we got almost no help. Only one or two individuals in Congress were willing to give us the time of day. And, 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 and these one or two individuals tried to help, but we made no traction there. We went to the federal courts. We filed over 40 lawsuits. These are service members, active service members who had to go 
to the third branch of our government to try to get protection for their individual rights. We started winning in court. We were winning in six different cases, including three class action lawsuits in which we were given uh, in, in which the federal courts issued injunctions against the Department of Defense, which is pretty unprecedented. And that's when Congress rescinded the mandate with the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act. That that law undermined our wins in the federal court. What it did was it allowed the DOJ on behalf of the DOD to go to each of those courts where we had significant precedent setting wins and just got them all thrown out. I think there's one case that's still alive, but and it, they're still arguing over mootness right now. But the courts were able to throw out the cases as moot because the mandate was no longer being enforced. But that law that Congress wrote in 2023, it did not repair the harms done. It did not declare the actions unlawful. It did not even enforce the laws that Congress already had in the books since 2005 that protected service members from being forced to take experimental products. So there what this declaration of military accountability is doing is it's saying it's not asking anybody else to come in and save us because no one else is. Not in, not in this world. It's telling the American people that we are going to do it. We will hold them accountable because no one else will. This mandate was done in spite of the fact that, as we've now learned, there were actually warnings put out by testing the VA that this was causing enormous problems in the early rollout. And yet all that was ignored and the soldiers were mandated to take it at, at a rather extreme cost to their careers and massive threats, including, I think, a recent story you were covering on a Navy SEAL. That was, they were literally psyoping a Navy SEAL. Isn't that correct? They, they were. They, they were psyoping a group of them. They, I mean, these, these were heroes that had just come back from deployment, and they removed their badge access to their building. They took their training opportunities. They forced them to do, you know, menial manual labor. And these are people that we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to make them some of the most impactful weapon systems that we have. And they were out there doing yard work, anything they could do to try and coerce these people into going along. But thankfully, these Navy SEALs and so many other thousands of service members had the strength of character to stick to their convictions and say no, despite the coercion and the harms that were perpetrated. It's incredible. You've had the amazing position of actually being in uniform and being able to continue with your job. And that's got to be a blessing of God in itself, because I know that at one point you were, you were realizing, you took the real reality of that as in our previous talk we had, took that to your family and talked about the potential outcomes of this. That's true. I think like we discussed before, I mean, early on, they were threatening us with court martials and involuntary separations and things like that. So we had some tough discussions. And ultimately, my wife and I decided, all right, if we have to go to prison over this thing, this is the right thing to do. I am not taking this product. 
And I'm not ordering anybody else to do it. I'm going to protect everybody under me that I possibly can. And if that means I go to Leavenworth, then so be it. Made a plan. Wife will take the kids to stay with family in another place. I'd serve my time. And then, you know, when I'm done, I'll swing hammers and dig ditches if that's what it comes to. But that's why when we started winning in court and they ended up having to put me back to work, that's why for me personally, it was just the start of the fight. Having seen the unlawful actions that they were willing to take and having already made the, the decision and had such peace about it, God granted me just the, the spirit of, of joy. And I had, I had honestly a ton of, um, I got so much from helping people, talking to people, communicating and giving service members that were standing up to this help in every way I can. It was unbelievably fulfilling for me personally. And so what it enabled me to do was to realize that it's all God's. So why not risk everything? Why not keep fighting to make sure that we actually have accountability and change? We were already willing to go to prison to do the right thing. Why should that stop now? And so that, that became uh, multiple op-eds that I've written. Uh, it, it became the book that came out the, you know, on Independence Day in 2023. It was published by Skyhorse and CHD, Children's Health Defense. And why we decided that we had to keep fighting and go on the offensive with this declaration of military accountability. Let's talk about leadership. What has happened to our leadership to be in such a place that they would go along with something like this so willfully? Second part of that is then so willfully want to brush it under the rug. This is, this is a deviation from the, from the base standards of what it is to protect and defend in the oath of the United States and to put our soldiers and our country first? Well, I can't speak to what's going on in the, in the heads and the consciences of, of individual people that aren't me. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know what their values are, their personal values, but I do know looking from outside that it appears to be a lack of moral courage or that their values are so far uh, disparate from the values that America was founded upon. So I, I can't, I, I can only offer conjecture as to why leaders were not willing to put their stars on the table to protect service members' constitutional rights. And at this point, you know, it, it appears to be careerism and a desire to, and especially at the most senior ranks, the desire to you know, get board memberships and, and whatever else, it's, it seems to be pure avarice at this point for them to want to just play like no harm, no foul. We were all doing the best we could. We made tough decisions. Well, that's not true because we've been telling you since 2021 what was going to happen, that recruiting was going to hurt, be hurt by this, that people we're going to be hurt physically by these experimental products. We saw early on some of the data from the test that they were doing, it was getting so bad that Pfizer was doing unlawful things in hiding data within their own tests, throwing out bad data. I mean, it, it was pretty crazy what was happening. 
And our senior leaders chose to just absolutely ignore it because they were following, just following orders, giving that, that Nuremberg shrug and doing what, you know, history has shown us is a complete lack of leadership, just following orders, regardless of how moral they are or how much they hurt others. The letter has 231 signatories on it. Can you talk a little bit about how you got to that number and what the selection was? So I had the idea for how we were going to try to hold senior leaders accountable at some point in last fall. It, I knew we had to go on the offensive. I knew that we had to try and bring risk to senior leaders. Because what has happened is because of Ferris Doctrine, Ferris Doctrine is the legal doctrine that basically says that the DOD and the government cannot be, or individuals cannot be sued, the government can't be sued by service members for, uh, for wrongful death and injury. And the courts have been paying deference to the Department of Defense for many decades, it's inappropriate amounts of deference. And because of this, senior leaders have never felt risk, any personal risk related to making decisions that impact the constitutional rights of service members. They've never been held accountable for it, ever. Not, not in, you know, maybe hundreds of years. Uh, but what that means, though, is that we have to change that. We have to make sure that there is some element of personal risk that they feel. They're not protected if they violate constitutional rights, or they should not be. And so that was the, one of the points that, that we wanted to make in the letter. If no one else is willing to hold senior leaders accountable, then the only way that we could think of to do so would be if we get to the, the, if we get uh, obtain the lawful authority to do so, we pledged in the letter to recall these senior leaders from retirement and court-martial them for the crimes that they committed. For those who, of the signers, the 231 signers, of those who attain legislative offices, and there were eight people, I think, maybe 10, who signed the document who are actually running in 2024, for those who attain legislative offices, they pledged to introduce legislation to reduce the retirement income of these senior leaders to zero. So as we were writing this out, and, and I drafted this, I think, early in December, and then got it to a very small group where we, you know, it was originally two pages, and, and this group helped me get it down to one. They offered suggestions and changes, and we tightened it up to, to what it reads now. And then we got it out into our small groups um, as best we could. We, we did not remember this from, from our perspective. This was a military operation. We're in the middle of a fifth generation war. It's a war for hearts and minds. And we did not want to reveal our hand. We, we wanted to execute this offensive operation sort of as a surprise a surprise offensive. That's why we did the 4 a.m. thing. That's why Brad Miller, uh, one of the leaders of this movement, sent this document to the to the Joint Chiefs and the other 
senior leaders named in the document sent it at 4 a.m. on a holiday on January 1st. It wanted it to be a complete surprise, and we wanted to make sure that as a fifth-generation warfare operation, that it could have the impact that it has. I mean, I'm almost surprised at how how it's been received. Um, it has gone beyond what I could ever have imagined. So I would love to have had more than 231. I mean, it would have been great to get to 300 and that be biblically and historically significant. But 231 is what we ended up being able to get to while not you know, releasing the document publicly in an effort to get additional signatures, additional names. At this point, the decision has been made that the the document, the Declaration of Military Accountability, is going to be an artifact. It's we're not going to add names to it. It is what it is. But we are we have put out a new petition that people can sign on to in support of that and make their own pledge for accountability. There are other things that we can do, but getting those two hundred and thirty one names, it was courageous people in small groups who we've been connected to as part of the fight over the last three years and people were clamoring to try to get on to uh to that letter so many people and so i'm very blessed to be you know surrounded by courageous americans who willing to put their names out there willing to make this pledge to hold people accountable it has to be done because this it's not going to happen any other way let's talk a little bit about the oath can you talk a little bit about the oath for those who have not taken an oath, what it means, the significance of that as, as a veteran and what that means as a, as a commander? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that question. The oath is important to those of us who've served, and, and you know this and so many of your listeners know this, um, because it is our connection to what makes our country great. We're not swearing allegiance to a ruler. We're not swearing allegiance uh, to some principle. We're swearing allegiance to the Constitution that our founding fathers wrote that does two main things. It establishes the form of our government, but more importantly, it establishes individual rights as having primacy over that government. The Constitution limits government in an effort to protect and ensure individual constitutional rights. And over the last three years, and, and you can certainly speak to this, I, I think that all of us have had our eyes opened over the last several years that when we swear the oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that our original ideas, at least mine, when I originally joined and swore my first oath at the Naval Academy in 2003, is that the domestic enemies were largely terrorists. The domestic enemies were something that you know police and FBI, they take care of domestic enemies. But my eyes were opened over the last several years that the most insidious, the greatest domestic threat that we have is actually not the terrorist actions, you know, the, the physical, tangible violence. That is absolutely a threat. It is not the greatest threat. The greatest threat 
the, the greatest domestic threat that we face, the most ins insidious one, is the domestic threat that attempts to trample constitutional rights in an effort to control everything, to enforce tyranny, and to take us away from the values that we, that our nation were founded upon. And it was eye-opening for me when I finally realized that. And so I've had such peace and, and joy, frankly, about being able to defend the Constitution and fight a domestic enemy, fulfilling my oath, doing my duty as a naval officer by fighting for individual rights, individual rights for service members and individual rights for all Americans. Because what our government tried to do is they tried to force it on the military. They tried to force their will. And you know, it, it could be the COVID-19 vaccine. It could be something else. It, who knows what the next thing's going to be? Transgenderism, you know, reshaping what values look like for families. Whatever they're going to try to do, it really is appearing like they're going to try to force it on the military first as a test case. And so it's all the more important for those of us in uniform to fight for individual rights, to fight for what the Constitution was meant to protect. That is the best and most important thing that that any of us still serving can do is to fight that particular domestic enemy with everything that we have. And I, I know that you can share you know, your own stories on this as well, um, because you have seen it from the outside. And I think the last time we talked, you had shared how frustrating it was to, to kind of feel alone and not see very many military leaders trying to stand up. I hope that we have shown that there are still some, and they're just not at the top. We had, of the 231, we had people all the way from the ranks of E4 up to 06. That's where this movement is happening. And that's where it's happening in the rest of America. It is the people rising up and realizing that we can do this. We can hold our government accountable. The government is there because the people have given their consent to be governed. We no longer consent to be governed by those who violate the law and trample our rights. And we're going to fix it, the people. Well, as I sent you this note this morning, and it goes back to 2016, and, and just because we had done a letter, not of this magnitude, but along the similar lines, and the logic that we had come to in endorsing President Trump at the time because of General Flynn's stepping forward. And I will tell you, in this letter, uh, Commander Green, is it's really an answer to prayers, and it was very, um, very deeply received by me because it, there has been a lot of lonely voices out here trying to fight for our military and get people to wake up for our nation. And I, I do say that and I think the response to your letter shows this today of how eager people are to finally see veterans in the military step up, commanders, and say that enough is enough. And I, and I think what's so important about that, and I'd love to get your comment on all of this, but is that if the pivot point to reset a nation, we have to have our military in line. It, can, it can't be morally corruptible. We have to have a military that holds the moral and constitutional line that even when political things get awry, people can look to the military institution and not necessarily for the sake of, of, of having to topple a government or anything, but it is that stalwart line that never varies from its moral line, its moral strength, and its moral courage, to use your word, and the 
eyes focused clarity on the Constitution and what the values of this nation are supposed to be. Yes, that's that's truly where this thing becomes very dangerous for our nation and it continuing to be what the founding fathers established it to be. If the military goes, I think the rest of the nation goes. And we have unfortunately seen a rise to the top of a lot of folks. I, again, I cannot judge individuals, but I do know there were exactly zero flag and general officers who stood up with the rest of us who said no. There were none. And it's, it's, it was disheartening at the time. It's very dangerous for the nation to have a lack of moral courage at the top, to, to have uh, relativistic values where things can just change. I mean, the value should be rock solid. That should be the thing that we hang our hat on. And we don't deviate from it. But when your value systems can change on a whim, and from the top, they're going along with it. That's where things become very dangerous for the continuity of our system of government. So I, I'm I'm right there with you, and I, I'm so grateful that there were leaders like like you and and the folks that came together to try to have us, you know, stick to our values back in 2016 and and probably long before that. In, in a way, many of us that are fighting the, the COVID-19 fight in the military, we're, we're almost late to the party in a way. But for those of us who have had our eyes open to this, we're not backing down. And we are going to fight this in every possible moral, ethical, and legal way that we can. We're not calling for violence. We're not calling for any kind of overthrow. We're not we, we want the law to rule. We want the Constitution to rule in, in this situation. And we want to make sure that American values are what we hang our hat on, not morally relativistic things that, that bring our nation down. Well, this fight is courageous. And I'd like you to speak a little bit to the, the challenges of obeying orders, because I think this is one thing, it's very difficult, I think, for some people to comprehend the, the structure in the military to understand that when somebody of your senior rank gives you an order, it's very difficult to challenge that order, even if it's an unlawful order. And I'm, I'm obviously, my hope is that in a letter like this, when we see the range of people involved in standing up and speaking to the military, that that empowers, especially our younger soldiers, whether they're privates to NCOs, ensigns, however this is, that they're going to be stepping in and speaking now to the truth of this and, and, and being able to say, no, we're not going to stand for an illegal order. So one of the things I've, I've taken to mentioning to people who ask me questions about this and, and orders and how do you determine what it is, is that it's very important. And I would call on anybody still serving an active duty, you must follow all lawful orders. It's required by your oath and it's required by, by the law, by the UCMJ. You must follow all lawful orders. However, as we have seen historically, and it's not a recent thing, there has been historically 
unlawful orders given. I mean, Milai is the, you know, is the most significant one of recent historical memory. Unlawful orders given to commit atrocities in war. And what happened then and what happens today is so, so many service members pay blind deference to their, to their leaders, to someone else. They just, they assume that, well, surely they know what they're talking about. Surely they've done the research. And so I'll just go along with this. And what we need are individuals, and, and I will say this too, that, that you have an obligation under law to refuse unlawful orders, right? You, you must obey lawful orders, but you also must disobey and resist unlawful orders. Like th there are court cases that have established the duty of service members to disobey unlawful orders and they can be held accountable. They can be court-martialed for failing to disobey an unlawful order. This has been established in the military justice system, in court cases, uh, in, and throughout our history. So it is a well-established by law that you have a duty to disobey unlawful orders. What's really important since we're entering such a, a, frankly, a wild time in history right now is that you have to have the moral courage to pause long enough to figure out which one is which. You have to be willing to take input from all sides and make sure that you understand what you're doing. Read the laws yourself. Our JAG Corps has become unbelievably politicized. I wrote about it in the book, Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines, and our commanders were going along with the, what they were given from political appointees and the administration. And the JAG Corps is there to protect their commanders. They're not there. They, they should have a higher duty. They, they swear an oath as officers of the court to ensure that the law is followed. But that's not what happened. They saw their commanders as the clients. And they did everything they could to protect them. They would try to find loopholes or language in the law that, that would allow them to say that the commanders could do you know, whatever it is they wanted to do. But the problem with that is that when we pointed out that the language doesn't say what you think it says, they ignored it because they already had their orders and they were already marching down to a particular path and it was like like the, what they say for the NFL, you protect the shield. That's what they were doing. They were circling the wagons and protecting the institutions rather than following the laws that, that thousands of us were, were giving to these commanders, both directly through internal complaints and to the inspector general's offices. And so when you have this situation where the JAG Corps has been politicized, it cannot be trusted, Commanders have proven that they will go along with whatever, just shrug their sh shoulders and say, I'm just following orders. It, it is incumbent, it is imperative that individual service members, especially those in positions of authority, especially the officer corps, that they are 
taking the time, they have the moral courage to take the time to do the research and make sure they understand which orders are lawful and which are not. Well, I haven't been in news for you, sir, and it's actually near and dear to my heart, and it's profound, actually. It's a note that just came from Colonel Chambers, retired. Um, basically, the note came from somebody on the inside that said that to tell everyone and anyone that the letter has the full support of the Special Operations Forces that are currently active. That's that it. is news to me. That's I, I'd be very curious. I'll have to... I'll have to text Colonel Chambers when we're done here and and uh, see see what he knows. But that that's great. And I will say of of the signers, some of the most courageous of these 231, they were Navy SEALs and Green Berets who put their names on this openly. And and the Special Operations Forces, especially the Navy SEALs in in a couple of different court cases, were the very first ones to to jump in when they were given the option to take a, a vaccine card that would allow them to keep serving and not potentially harm their greatest weapon system, which is their bodies, highly trained, highly tuned weapon systems. These service members said, I'm not going to lie. I have integrity. And they had the moral courage when they had an option. They were many of these were these these Green Berets and Navy SEALs were given options to not go along with this thing. And they had unbelievable character. Integrity. They refused to lie. And those were the ones who filed court cases first. Those were the ones who led the charge. And I'm incredibly grateful for them. And it's so good to hear from from Colonel Chambers that that the special forces are are behind this declaration of military accountability because they were the first ones to lead to charge and they are continuing to lead. I think this should I hope people will hear this well too because they are truly they understand what they've always understood enemies domestic. And I think this gets into something that is very difficult and you touched on it early on I'd like to come back to it. It's that we're in a fifth generation war. And the battlefield is pluralized in that war. It's, it gets difficult identifying our enemy. And I think that most of us could not have foreseen that the corruption, and I'm, I'll refer to it as corruption, but I'll also refer to it as lack of moral courage within our leadership of our military. We were counting on that to be strong in this time. And I think what this has done, which from a perspective of faith, I think God has revealed to us as all things in darkness are brought to light. We were able to see that. But at the same time, within the ranks to see people like yourself to stand up and say, regardless of where you sit, you're going to do the right thing. And it was the moral courage now who are really seeing the character of the military, both in the good and the bad, but that's going to be those of great moral courage to stand up. So this one thing here that I think is, 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 was to get to that point and kind of go back to your comments on that, the challenges of seeing the impact in a fifth generation war of what the enemy has done and how corrupted these elements have been, and realizing how difficult it was for us to get to really understand the nature of the of the threat. Yes, and I, I'll go back to that as well, and, and expound a little bit on, on what a fifth generation war is. What what does fifth generation warfare look like? Well, the battle is is for the objective is for the heart and the mind. 
the the enemy wants to convince wants to their objective is to try to get an individual to go along with something to to win over their mind to win over their heart but it's not just the objective the battleground in a fifth generation warfare is also the mind and the heart that's where this the fight it's where it plays out it's it's the battleground and it's the objective and so if you want to be effective in a fifth generation warfare battle in a in a conflict you cannot cede ground to the enemy what does ceding ground to the enemy look like in a fifth generation warfare uh, in, in a fifth generation conflict it's when you know something is not true if you go along with it because it's easier that's ceding ground to the enemy a prime example is wearing a mask when you know it doesn't help you when you know this one ply piece of cloth over your face is not stopping a tiny microscopic uh, virus molecule. And yet you're going to go along with anyway, because that's easier. What you're doing is you're showing all those around you that you believe something that you actually don't believe. And more people go along with it because everyone else is. It's a battle for hearts and minds, and it starts with standing up for what you believe and not being willing to com do not compromise on what you believe and, and what, is, what is true. And I'll, I'll share a couple stories. I was talking to my brother-in-law, uh, a, a Marine veteran, and he was, he was mentioning to me that he was at a, a school function for his kids. And it was soon after everybody was starting to go back to school and he didn't want to wear the mask. And they were trying to tell him that he needed to. And he looked around and there was a dozen other guys not wearing a mask. So he's like, well, why am I going to do it? Well, he was harassed into finally putting one on. And they weren't really harassing anybody else. They were just harassing him. And he decided, okay, fine, whatever. This is easier. He put it on. Next time he looked around, every one of those other dozen guys had put it on. When we cede ground to the enemy, we are allowing untruths to be enacted upon. And we are, we are not standing up for what we believe. I'll give one more example. There was a there was a junior service member uh, or or a a candidate, a recruit who came into the Navy, and he he had he was part of the delayed entry program, and the mandate came out before he actually showed up to boot camp. So he called his detailers and said, "Hey, this I can't go along with this. I need to file a religious accommodation." The Guidance from the Secretary of Defense says that I can file one. How do I do it? And they say, oh, don't worry about it. Your country needs you. They'll take care of you when you get to boot camp. So he shows up, and they harass him, berate him, remove him from training opportunities. They isolate him. Him and a few other people who said this goes against our conscience, we're not going to take this emergency use product. 
he th this individual um his first name is owen he he was verbally abused he was he was brought in to be harassed occasionally before he was sent back into isolation he was told that he's the one that's keeping the uh, the virus alive because he wasn't getting the uh, the vaccine and he was the one that was killing everybody's grandmothers and you know all these all these things to an impressionable young uh, recruit trying to join the military but he, he had the strength of character to not go along with this he did not cede ground to the enemy he did not by lies and he decided that he wasn't going to go along that individual, Owen, served honorably for 39 days before the Navy finally kicked him out. But he won his fifth-generation warfare battle because he did not cede ground. Those Navy SEALs we just talked about who filed uh, their lawsuits in federal court, who did not go along with the lie, they maintained their integrity. They won their fifth-generation warfare battle. That's what's required. If we're going to win this thing, we have to start living by the truth. We cannot see ground on things that we don't believe in, no matter how hard it gets. More people are going to join us if we stand up for the truth. We do not compromise with evil or lies. Changing the military to me and looking at this currently woke disaster we're living in across our nation. Changing the military to me seems to be one of the most pivotal aspects going forward in 2024 and 2025. We go back to the Obama period when many of the policies towards transgenderism were mainstreamed and including the LGBTQ movement, even into our Sergeant Majors Academies. It was, a, they were seeing the military as a change agent for their agenda. And so I guess where I'd flip it back on your opinions here that this seems to be again, the battlefront where we can change the military and rightfully so with, with the right people responding relatively quickly by nature of the organization to reset it back to a constitutional republic-focused institution, morally strong. It would seem to me that that would be not only quick to do, but significant in the entire nation's movement back to the, a model for the republic. Your thoughts? So I, I agree, and you mentioned the transgender movement and, and the military, and I would say that it's definitely part of the compromise they're trying to get out of people who have particular beliefs. Um, we have seen it uh, in a couple places where they have attempted to mandate the use of pronouns and email signature lines and uh, things like that. And I would tell service members that if you don't believe that a a man can become a woman and and vice versa or you don't believe in this gender fluidity because you have a a biblical war world view and a value system that does not permit that kind of stuff you have a first amendment right to refuse in order to call somebody by something that they're not and so what what those who want to implement that in the military are trying to do is a continuation of this fifth generation war. They want people to compromise on their values so that they can bring in these things that are frankly lies. And, um, and if we concede on these things, then we are 
conceding battle space in a fifth generation war. I would encourage any service member listening to this. If you have religious convictions on this, you have an absolute right to not go along with something that violates your faith, that violates your First Amendment rights. In order to be lawful, in accordance with the manual for court-martial, an order must not violate your statutory rights. That means it must not violate any law. And the order must not violate your constitutional rights. That means if they give you an order to do something that violates your conscience, that order becomes unlawful the moment it hits your ears. You are obligated then not to follow it. What do you see as some of the next courses of action for this letter? Obviously, you were saying it, it was sent, as what Brad Miller had mentioned in his uh, X Space piece, was that it was sent at, I believe, 4.30 in the morning or 4 a.m. in the morning to the Joint Chiefs and others in senior command. And it, now it's also been distributed in mass and accelerated at a phenomenal rate across the web. And people are responding to it with now the petition part of that, which they're signing onto the web. I think tonight I checked it was about over, nearly 5,000 signatures have been added to this. What is your thoughts in the next step? Because this is focused on the military as a primary target. Yeah, so I wish I had better prepared or better planned for the the response that we were going to get from this thing. I I had hoped it would do good. I had not expected it to go viral. I, I think it hit a nerve with, with so many Americans when they, they saw, you know, in a way we talked about the E4 to 06s, it's the people rising up and saying enough is enough. And I think the American people, and especially even those not in uniform and never having served, they feel the same way. They feel betrayed. And they also want to say enough is enough. So I think it hit a nerve and, and the response has been unbelievable. It, it blew away every, every one of my expectations from when I first drafted this thing back in early December. And so much so that the petition, it, it, was, not, it was not planned. I didn't know that we were gonna need something like that. So many people responded to so many of the signatories, and, and you can speak to if you also got similar responses. You're a signatory on this document, which I'm, I'm so grateful to have, have you and, and your platform behind this. Um, but so many people reached out to, to many of us signatories and said, how do I support? How do I join? Is it too late? I want to put my signature on this. I believe this as well. And we were blown away by the response. I think Brad Miller's original tweet has been viewed 3.2 million times. And we haven't even hit the, the main part of the news cycle. We're still on the federal holiday, essentially. I think today was a day off from of, of most people. And so uh, I think it's going to continue to grow. And so yesterday, I, I put pen to paper and, and tried to write this. I remember turning to, to my wife, my oldest son, and I said, I got writer's block. I, I don't know. I don't know how, how to translate this, this desire that the American people have into something that's, that's truly actionable. Um, so I, I, I sat down and I, I prayed about it. And eventually it came to me that it, this can't just be a, a petition where 
the American people sign on and just say, hey, we support you and, and we want justice for you in, in the military. It needed to be something bigger than that. So after prayer, it came to me that, that this thing needs to be all of government, just like the founding fathers and, and just like in the Declaration of Independence, the governments are instituted at the consent of the governed and the governed, if, if the government stops doing what it's mandated to do by the people and, and most importantly, protecting their rights, they have the right to alter it or abolish it. Now, we don't, we're not in a position and I don't think we need to abolish anything. What was given to us is still good. It is right. The form of our government is awesome. But we need to alter who's running it. All of these senior executive service actors who never seem to go away, who don't seem to have American values, that, that, that needs to change. The people in Congress and the Senate who are apparently enriching themselves and executing un-American agendas at the expense of the governed, that needs to change. Those need people need to be gone. So what the petition became, the language of the petition is, again, another pledge. And so those who go to militaryaccountability.com, that's the website that, that we created to host this petition so that people can follow the example of the, dec the Declaration of Military Accountability, they can go to militaryaccountability.com and the petition, as they will read, is a pledge that the, the signers of the petition are making to hold all of government accountable. Anyone who has violated the law or trampled constitutional rights, the pledge is that any signer of that petition is going to do everything that they can do to hold those individuals accountable. It's an extension of the, of the Declaration of Military Accountability. And it's for all of government. The people are, are here to take their own government back and to bring it back to the, the principles and the values upon which this country was founded. So that, that is what happened with the petition, how it came to be created. We threw together, it, it was my brother built a website overnight with every spare second he had in between meetings. Um, he, he built militaryaccountability.com, and uh, and we put it up earlier today so that people could jump in and, and sign this thing. It's already been uh, attacked. Uh, we've had cyber attacks, um, but in a in a good uh, a good news story. I mean, it's had so much traffic that um, we actually brought the site down for a little bit, and we had to. Uh, shift money uh, around and, and pay for uh, better servers and upgrade the system. So we did all that today. It's been a wild 36 hours, but it's because the response of the American people, they want to do this too. Everything that we've been doing since Brad Miller released that email, I think it's really, um, I think it's really uh, hit people right in, 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 in the heart and it's really motivating people to, to come along and, and join us in this fight. Well, I will say this. Americans love their military. We love the military. We've hated, and I say this now as outside and civilian, it's it's a 
pain. It's a, a, a it gets to the point of a hatred to watch the military being used and abused as it has been. So I do think you've lit a spark with this notification, this letter, and I think that it's a it's a significant spark that has had people finally realize that there are patriots willing to stand up for the cause of the nation. I mean, there's no, I don't think we can be naive in any way on the idea that this government is punitive by nature. So putting the names on the letter and obviously the more that others add to the signatory page for the, for, on your website, but the names on the letter and having had this experience myself, which I haven't expressed to you, but there was about five or six of us that were brutally targeted after the letter I did in 2016. And we can call these as random events, but we had people's clearances pulled. We had people blacklisted from DOD operations. We had one of our guy's brother was gunned down in his driveway. There was very real consequences. And we all knew it going in. So this is the same type of thing here. And this is why in this morning I said to everybody, this is time to pray. This is time. If you want to be part of this, pray. Because what has been done here is truly significant. And um, it's just, I'm, I'm grateful for what you've done. I want to read a piece here by Laura Logan, sir, just so you can hear this. Well, finally, here it is to all those people who've been waiting to be saved while America burns to the ground from within. Here are 231 people of courage riding in to save you. If you want to know what you can do, this is the moment. Speak up and support this effort to hold people in power accountable. Take particular note of the reference to the SES, Senior Executive Service. This is the deep state. It's not conspiracy. Rather, it is an entire layer of unelected bureaucrats who enjoy special privileges with zero accountability. The deep state is real and needs to be completely dismantled. I expect more of the same old attacks on me or worse. They cannot stop the truth in their entire... Um, if you stay silent now, don't complain. You, re, um, you reap what you sow. So this is really a point now. I think that the letter has inspired people to see the courage that you've put together here in this assembly of people willing to step forward. I know that with hearing the amount of military support that's rallying around this, especially with the news tonight of Special Operations Forces, that is a very significant moment in our history. And it's unprecedented in what this is stating and it was, it's a point that I hope people hear. And I, I'm, again, I, I'm going to read one other thing for you that, that was posted here by what I would consider to be one of the great moral and righteous men of our time. And that's uh, Corey Terry, retired. Uh, he is a retired team sergeant, and you know him. He's, he's on the letter. And let me just find True this hero. One. Yeah, true hero. He, he truly is. This is what he wrote, and I 100% back this comment. I motion. The commander Rob Green be appointed to chief of naval operations effective immediately. I would support that 100%, sir. And I mean that very seriously. You have led the Navy. You have led this nation. You have led in uniform where so many have failed. And I just want to congratulate you and thank you dearly from, me, from my heart for having the courage and the moral courage to stand up to this. And I have a comment I made here in chat just a minute ago, a commander that prays to God for guidance. God bless you, sir. We just don't have that much these days. Well, I, I thank you for for your kind words and and for Corey to say that is uh, is significant. He is a wonderful man. I I had the honor of meeting Corey Terry for the first time at Mark Bashaw's court martial. The only man 
the only service member court-martialed over standing up against uh, EUA products, emergency use authorized products in the military, standing up for his rights. He was the only one, um, another true hero. So I, I, I had the honor of meeting Corey there, and, and the two of us got to see Mark Bashaw's courage in standing up uh, for his rights and, and for all Americans' rights, because he was the only one. And, uh, and so, so many of us went down there to, to observe that, to support him, uh, and, and to stand up as best we could. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's truly an honor for him to say that. I am wholly inadequate uh, for, for, such a, for such a promotion. I would have uh, too much to learn too quickly. Um, but, but I thank you for the sentiment. <laughs> we can't stand in God's way, sir. That's one thing for sure. Uh, we never know what he's got planned. We can't box him in. So um, he obviously trusted you. And I think that's the big thing. And that's our father has trusted you into something rather significant, which I would say you probably didn't foresee in your future. And I think that's pretty amazing. I know your time is important. We've been at about an hour. I'd like to pray and then I'll let you go if that's okay. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Father, God, I just want to thank you for Commander Rob Green. He is truly a spark, a light of a righteous man who stepped into the fight and to lead where many others have failed. So, Father, we pray a blessing over his family, pay a blessing over him and all that he continues to do and ask that you'll continue to light the paths where he needs to watch, walk, to provide him with all the resources that he needs to protect him, Father, in each and every step and his family and to raise him up to be what we need. We need greater men like him and to continue to let him be anointed in a path to lead in great ways, to inspire and to forge a path so many have failed. Father, we bless him. And we pray for his family. We'll continue to keep them in our prayers. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you very much, Scott. Thank you for having me on and for leading this fight and being a, a voice in, uh, in what's sometimes a, a wilderness of, of lack of values and relativism. Well, sir, it's a great honor to be included in the letter. I want to thank you for that. Thank you for, the, for, the, for putting this together, and thank you for the last minute of coming on the show tonight. It's uh, very special, and, and just in the timing of this is wonderful. So bless you all. Bless your family, sir. Oh, God bless you. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Yes, sir. Patriots, that was Commander Rob Green. I want to say a few things here in a broader sense in this show tonight because this is very special to me to be able to have Commander Green come on board and to tell us on uh, all about this letter. It's a very significant piece, a very significant document, a very significant moment in our history, and I don't want it understated. I'm going to say, as I said this morning, I need you all to pray. I need you all to pray like you've never prayed before. This is not a time to hesitate. Our country needs prayers, and the people on this letter need prayers. This is a, a courageous statement that all of these people have made, and it's time now that our country understands that there is a seriousness to this hour and a criticality to being held accountable to the Constitution and what is morally right. Moral courage is lacking in this country, and it is something that we absolutely need more of. And so now I'm going to speak to the military. I'm going to speak to people in uniform, whether you're on the border, first responders, whatever you are. But I need you to hear this. You need moral courage. If you're working on the border, you need moral courage. The Commander Green represents moral courage. It is time to stop acting like you have an excuse that you're simply following orders and doing your job. You know the Constitution. For all the members in the special operations community, God bless you all. The support is well needed, and it's time now to do what we must do. 
this is time now to clean the military and to reset it. And we know that there's many legal forms to do that, but it's essential that it's understood that this is not a game. Our military is being taken down a route to literally take us into a pit that we will never recover. They've tried to cripple the military so this nation cannot recover. We need the great men, the righteous men that are in uniform, that know God, that understand the power and the hour in which we are in. We need you to now stand. We need your voices to be heard. We need you to organize from within and know that you have the support from without. This platform is available to anybody in the special operations community, and for that matter, anybody in the military that wants to come and speak truth to power. You're here. I am here to take this voice out as far as we can, and there's others. It is time now to take this fight to the ground in the sense of cleaning out the rank and file of those that have betrayed us and the treason that has occurred. These are treason, charges of treason and crimes against humanity. Both have been done. Our oath has been violated. Our constitution has been violated. And the military, instead of being of the people, has been turned against the people and against this nation. So if you're in uniform, especially in the military, this is your hour now to start standing up, voicing your position, organizing to start making the correct actions to bring these people to a legal form of justice. That means court martials, and that means holding accountable these people to the charges of treason and Nuremberg 2.0 if necessary. Not a game. We have turned a corner now, and it's time to understand that as this letter has come out on 1 January, the beginning of the year, this will set the pace and the tempo for the rest of the year. And we are on a path now to take this country back. Mark my word. Victory is what we fight from, not to. And Christ gave us victory on the cross, and it's now us to bring victory into this world. For everyone else, whether you've worn a uniform or not, veteran or not, you are an American. It is a country of we the people. And it is time now to be heard. We cannot mess around anymore with the patience of allowing a deep state to try to railroad our country into the pits of hell. That will not happen anymore. You need to take this letter and realize what this letter represents. This is a voice of 231 people that are standing up and saying enough is enough. That point now should mobilize as Gideon's 300 did to now mobilize the rest of the people to pursue the enemy as their rank and file becomes disrupted. And believe me, this letter has disrupted the enemy's rank and file. You have to take these fights to your local community. It is time to do the three things in, the, in, these, in this format coming into this year. We are resetting the church, the true church of Jesus. We are setting about now with that to raise up the shepherds, the spiritual shepherds in this war, and to complete that with doing our missions in our local communities. Missions is involved. That means getting into the people, talking truth to power, and bringing people accountable, holding people accountable for the actions they've taken. That will only be a group of done by the people. No one's coming to save us. We save ourselves. And that's the virtue of being in a country where it is run by we the people. We have been not only deceived, but we've been betrayed by governments, both federal, state, and local. And it's time now to clean it out. And by that, I, you know, it's very clear here because there's an eagerness to people to want to jump into some sort of revolutionary fight. This is not the call. This is a spiritual war. And a spiritual war at nature is being is waging war against the realms and the principalities that are, are typically beyond our reach. But we have those authorities. And the greatest game that we have to under, the greatest trick we have to overcome, the lie given to us all, is somehow we are not empowered. We are more powerful than we have any idea because we've been given those authorities by Jesus himself. So it's time to use them. 
It's time to be morally strong like Jesus. Flip the tables, speak into the temples of the Pharisees, call them out, hold them accountable, and mobilize. We don't just sit on the side in a, in a school board meeting with one person talking about pornography for against kids and having a sheriff there defending the school board. We need 100 men at that meeting that are saying to the sheriff, you will step aside or we will remove you and we will physically remove every traitor on that school board that is trying to pollute the minds of our children. We no longer are waiting for a legal process to be used in the, I say a legal process, a system of elections, for example, to remove somebody when they have openly betrayed the system. We need accountability through justice. And the military has a mechanism to do that that in many ways is much more efficient than the civilian world. But we have to be putting our foot down on things now that are no longer taking it on the chin or trying to turn your cheek in the wrong way. This hour, that this, what this letter represents is a huge turning in our nation. A significant risk for a few that will blaze the trail for the many. So walk in it. Embrace it and understand that being American, it comes at a cost. It's a cost of knowing that there's a time and a place when you must make a decision to stand. And it's when, the, when our government becomes despotic or a tyranny. And we have a government now that has become a tyranny. Not the structure of government, but the players within it. And that's ultimately our role and our need now is to bring about justice into this nation and to restore this nation from within. Patriots, thank you for being here tonight. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I wanna feel something. I just wanna breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I wanna feel something. Let me get back in my body.